Well, welcome to Water of Life. We are so glad that you are joining us. We want to give a special shout out to all of you guys watching online, to our online family, as well as across the pond at our family in Townsville. Welcome to you guys as well. If you don't know me, my name is Victoria. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm your host this weekend. So I'm here to share all of the amazing things that are happening at our church. But first things first, if you're new here, if this is your first time to Water of Life, maybe somebody invited you or you tuned in, we want to say welcome to you as well. And if you can do this, grab your phone and text the word new here to 818-818. We would love to connect with you. And we're going to just jump into a time of worship in a few minutes. And if you want to worship with your giving, you can always do so on our website or on our mobile app. Well, here are a few things that are coming up at our church. If you don't know, we just finished our series on family. And we here at our church believe that family is so important, that God has a plan and a purpose and a vision for each one of our families. But the reality is sometimes we don't know the vision that God has placed for our life. And so we're excited to share that we are going to be hosting a family ID workshop. And what this workshop is all about is that it's a space for you and your family to create a mission statement, maybe values your vision for your family. Because the reality is, is that if you don't have a vision for your family, you won't have direction. And so we at the Family ID Workshop want to help you create and cast that vision for your family. This workshop is open to anyone. So maybe if you are single or you're a grandparent, maybe you're married with no kids or kids, it's, it's for everybody. So we want to encourage you. It's only $5 and you can register online at wlupdates.com. And now we're in our 40 days of prayer. And I don't know about you, but God has already been doing amazing, powerful things. And who knows that prayer is not just a one-time thing we do at a church service, but it's something that we're called to do every single day. And so at our church, we want to create daily opportunities for you to grow and engage in prayer. So we want to invite you, if you would join us on campus for our daily prayer gatherings, we host it every morning, Monday through Friday. Friday at 5.30 a.m. on campus. And hey, maybe you're not a morning person. You're more of a night owl. Well, we have Tuesdays and Thursday nights on campus as well at 6.30 p.m. And we would love for you to join us. And if you're online, we're also doing online prayer gatherings on Zoom every Monday morning at 5.30. So, so much to do, so much to engage with with our 40 days of prayer. And if you have any other questions, maybe you want to access our digital prayer guide or you have more information you need about our 40 days of prayer, you can always visit our website at wl40days.com. Well, I saved our best announcement for last because I'm excited to share that in a few weeks, starting on October 31st and November 1st, we are going to be officially moving our services indoors. And I don't know about you, but I am so excited to be moving back indoors together as a Water of Life family. So we want you to mark your calendars October 31st, November 1st. We're moving back indoors. And don't worry, we're 
we're still gonna be safe, we'll be socially distant, we'll be wearing masks, but there are a few changes. One of those things is that we are gonna be changing back to our regular service time. So our in-person services are gonna be happening at 5 p.m. Saturday night, Sunday mornings at 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. So we won't be doing our 5 p.m. services anymore on Sunday nights, but we will still be hosting Empowered Kids and our fifth and sixth grade ministry, better wise known as 56, on Sunday morning. So we want you to mark your calendars October 31st, November 1st, and we can't wait to be back indoors with you all in just a few short weeks. Well, hey, we have another great service and an amazing message by Pastor Shane, but we wanna worship together first as a family. So if you can do this, wherever you're watching, if you guys could all just stand with me as we prepare our hearts for worship. We know that worship is more than just singing, it's more than just music, but that it's a chance to interact with God, to engage with God. And so no matter what we've been walking through throughout our week, just in this moment between you and God, wherever you're watching this, would you just say, Jesus, I tune out the noise of the world. I wanna have my eyes fixed on you today, Jesus because you are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of my praise. And so right now, I just lift the name of Jesus, the name above every other name, and we lift you high in this place. We love you and we worship you and we give you all the glory and honor and praise and all God's people said, amen, amen. Let's worship together. Can we do that? Oh, let praise be a weapon that silences the 
together the atmosphere. The atmosphere is changing now. The spirit of the Lord is here. You Lord, the evidence is on the
to gather together and worship you, Lord God. And that you are here with us, Lord. And so as we move on today, Lord, we pray that you would move in power and do great and wonderful things, Lord. Lift burdens, change lives. Do away with guilt, shame. That has no room for you, for us here with you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful and beautiful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Water of Life. Enjoy service.
Water of Life, how are you this weekend? Yeah, it's good to be together. Hey, if you're at home or you're watching us live online right now, we just want to say welcome. We love you guys out in Townsville. Thank you for joining us. It's great to be together. Uh, my name's Shane. If we've never been together, it's great to be with you this weekend. And uh, we've already had a fantastic weekend. And some of you may have been able to join us this weekend for our night of prayer and worship. And it was a great night. If you did get to join us, you know what I'm talking about. If not, you're, there's still hope for you. We are going to have another night of worship and prayer as we walk through this series on prayer. And so we're excited to do that again. So as you might have caught on to, we're in a series for 40 days on prayer and we've got journals and we've got small groups on our entire campus all of our campuses, all of our ministries are fully engaged into doing this together. And so we just want to encourage you and say this. First of all, if you're not in a small group, get in one. If you need help, uh, everybody wants to know where they can get a book. I think you might be able to buy them on eBay now. Um, if you've tried to get a book, uh, they don't exist. Um, they're like unicorns right now. So we, we've printed as many as we can get in time to be able to service as much. And so what we've done is made it available online so you can flip through it and you can join us and you can fill in the blanks and you can get all the information you can. Follow us the journals, excuse me, the devotionals every morning. We're making sure that we can stay engaged because we want to grow. And we talked about this last week and we'll talk about this again, but as we journey into part two, these are really important things we want to grow. And the last series, we, the family series was really practical. And the 40 days is really going to be about practice. Each of us are really going to have a responsibility to respond to do this stuff. And the thing we talked about last week, we'll get into in just a second, is what, what does it mean for us to be mature? And so we're going to jump right into this series. But before we do that, we wanted to do something fun. We wanted to do a little bit of a survey, and that looks like this. We wanted to do a little survey that give you the chance to respond in some of your thoughts, and it's really simple. All you're going to do is you're going to send a text, and that'll come up on the screen here in just a second, a text that's to 818-818, like we do around here all the time, that just says prayer. And when you go to that, you can go and go all the way back to the first. There you go. Text prayer to 818-818, and when you send prayer to that, you'll get a little prompt. You click that link, and you can give us the three words that describe prayer the most for you. And we're going to do this, and we're going to tease this out and talk through this as a church family together, because this is super important that we stop and we be honest with ourselves about what prayer means. I'm going to share a story in just a minute about what prayers look like for me. And so um, <clears throat> before we do that, I think it's important for us to walk through last week. And we talked through last week, and that'll get us set up for this week, because last week we said this, and you can jump over to the next slide. Last week we talked about how we grow, because growing, what, what did we talk about last week? Growing, what's that? We got friends talking to me. This is great. I've had anybody talk to me on a stage and I don't know how long. It's so cool. Those of you guys that are home are texting and typing like, I can't see it. I apologize. But listen, last week we talked about how we grow because growing is natural if we are what? Healthy. And if we're healthy, we're going to grow. Healthy things grow. And the thing we said is that we need to develop spiritual habits. We need to talk about spiritual habits. You can jump to the next slide. Uh, we need to develop spiritual habits because we have to grow up. To which all of us said... Half of us say amen, half of us say I'm already grown up. And then the rest of us are honest. Okay, be mature, because we said this last week, to be mature, we went through scripture that walked us through this, be mature in every way, not some ways, not part of the ways, in every way. And this wasn't pressure point, this wasn't condemnation, this isn't, you know, kind of a, hey, get it right or get it wrong because you got to get this right or you're not okay. This was a, hey, listen, make sure that you recognize that every part of your life, your emotional life, your spiritual life, your marriage life, these things all need to be mature in Christ. Growing up means building mature habits. And last thing we talked about last week is doing the right things over and over and over again are the things that build those 
habits. And that's hard because that means habits aren't built overnight, are they? Consistency, and that means repetition. That means leaning into the things that sometimes are really, really, really uncomfortable for us. True story, uh, about six or seven years ago, uh, I, um, the school ministry had been going for several years. It was growing like crazy, and they had people teaching all over the place. And uh, I was a teaching pastor here, but I was teaching young adults and youth. And uh, <clears throat> I had never been invited to teach at the school of ministry now, I need to, I, my conflicts in my, in my teaching schedule and stuff just didn't usually work out. But I couldn't wait to teach at school of ministry. If you've not gone to school of ministry, it's fantastic. You need to do it. It is an incredible place for you to grow. You can actually go through all the stuff we're going to talk about today in a course over 10 weeks that will teach you about prayer in an incredibly in-depth way. Now, what happened for me was that they came, uh, the school ministry was growing rapidly. They needed people to teach. And they said, we want to get our pastors and some of our teaching pastors more engaged in teaching. And I thought, oh, of course they're going to ask me to come teach. This is, you know, 30-year-old me. Of course they're going to come ask me to teach. And so, <clears throat> of course, they came to ask me to teach. And when they came in my office, they said, hey, we really, we want to get you to the school ministry. Are you willing to? And I said, yes, I've been waiting for you to ask. What I failed to ask is what they wanted me to teach on. And so they left my office. They came back a couple weeks later and said, okay, here's the new schedule. This is what's going on. And of course, I'm ready for them to ask me to teach New Testament theology or something really fun, right? Something really like that's in my wheelhouse. I'm going to teach about, you know, next generation ministry or something really, really, really attractive and just kind of, you know, it's got the vibe. I said, well, we have one course that isn't full. We don't have a teacher for it yet. And I'm like, well, yeah, no problem. I'm sure you saved it just for me. <laughs> and they said, well, here's the thing. It's, it's a class that is part of the first track. It's really important. It's a core class that kind of buttered me up a little bit, you know. And it's on prayer. And I sat back in my chair and thought, huh. That doesn't sound nearly as attractive as I wanted it to. Because here's what I'm going to confess, and here's what probably most of us are, is that prayer is this kind of, thing that's just a little bit outside of us, isn't it? It's a little bit far off. It's a little bit hard to get a hold of. It's a little bit hard to figure out how to do it right. If we have these wrong perspectives, our perspectives tell us this, that you have to do it right, that you have to get it right, or you're not spiritual enough. And some of you have left church and have wandered away from church because somebody told you that you didn't pray enough or you didn't pray right, and you're sitting there going, I don't even know what it means to pray. So here's my confession. The reason I uh, backpedaled so hard is that prayer in my spiritual life was one of my least favorite things. Okay, let me just, I was a pastor. Okay, don't get me wrong. I prayed because I had to. I prayed because it was the right thing to do. That's how you build habits. But I prayed with an absence of understanding what it meant. And an invitation to do it well. Because what I fail to understand is the thing that most of us know but haven't quite moved in to our spiritual life. And that's this. How many of us would want to be in a, a love relationship with somebody, somebody you live with, your, your, your husband, your wife, your kids, in a relationship where communication didn't exist? No elbows. Wives, we know we struggle. Men struggle with words, Okay. Come on. But none of us want to be, that isn't a real relationship at all, is it? So here's the thing. 
what I'm going to share with you guys this weekend are some of the things that I learned, some of the things I share with that class. Because I think they were so practical because as I got asked to do that class, I had just entered a journey of what it meant to be really engaged in my prayer life. And I learned and walked through seasons of fasting and praying because I wanted to understand what it meant to do the thing we're going to talk about right now. What it means to be a mature Christian is always marked out by a life of passionate prayer. And prayer, for so many of us, doesn't feel like a passionate thing very often. Henry Nouwen said this, and I think this is worth us reading before we pray and move on. That the discipline of prayer is the intentional, but concentrated, and regular effort to create space for God. So I don't know about you, but I can create space. I may not be good at it. You know, listen, you know, I have a phone that I have to turn off and put away like you. I have kids that knock on my door. I got to get up before the, but I can create space. It's in that space that we begin to learn what it means to be intimate with God and ultimately what it means to pray. And we'll talk about what that means in just a minute, but let me pray for us because I think it's important for us to stop Be still for a minute as we walk into something that for so many of us is a challenge. It's an elusive thing that so often has become repetitive and it's not new and it's not fresh and it's not life-giving. And God wants to do something different. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better thing that we could be doing in the time and the period that we are living in than stopping and praying together as a church and learning what it means to pray and believing that God's gonna do something with us, in us, and through us. Amen? Heavenly Father, we know that we are desperate for you to come and to change, transform, and to move in us. And so in this moment, this week, and we just stop and say, move in us, change us, heal us, restore us. But beyond that, would you teach us what it means to pray like your disciples asked? Not because there's any perfect way to do it, but God, because we know this, that mature people pray. And that none of us want to be a follower of Jesus that isn't full of passion. And Father, that passion begins as it always did for you, Jesus, in prayer. And so we stop and we give you this time and ask that you would guide it. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. We're gonna pick up in the book of Luke. So if you've got your Bibles, you wanna open up to the book of Luke, it'll be up on the screen. I'll read through some of it for you as well. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is having a dialogue with his disciples. And I'll get to that in just a second. But a little bit of background on Luke so that you know who is writing this to us. Luke is not a disciple, Remember, Luke comes just a little bit after the disciples. In fact, at the very beginning of his book, he says, hey, and if you've been around here with us for any period of time, you know we do this and say this often, that Luke is magnificent because he does something very unique than the rest of the Gospels. Luke says that he has interviewed the eyewitnesses and he has taken the most important things surrounding what it means to be a follower of Jesus and puts them together in a letter to his friend named Theophilus. We don't know who Theophilus is, but what we do know is that Theophilus wanted to understand what it meant to follow Jesus. He was already following Jesus and he wanted to know the stories about why he could believe in Jesus even more. Luke writes this probably 25, 20 years after Jesus has gone. And his story captures some of the most impeccable moments of his journey and his conversation with his disciples. And here's where we kind of pick it up. We're going to pick up in chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read some of this to you because there's something we're going to learn. And Jesus is going to teach us something. His disciples are going to teach us something very specific. But let me read this to you before we jump to that place. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. says, once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord... Would you teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples? Now get this for a second. 
They could have asked Jesus anything. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a list of things that someday when I meet Jesus face to face, I'm going to ask him. It is saved in my phone. It is saved everywhere. If my phone goes to heaven with me, I'm good. Come on. How many of us have woken up one day and go, someday if I ever stare at Jesus face to face, I have what? Questions. I'm not talking about dogs going to heaven. I'm talking real questions. Come on. Real questions, right? Evil, right? Come on. And what do these guys say? There was something, and this is important, and we'll move on. There was something so compelling about Jesus' prayer life, the disciples didn't say, hey, would you teach us to do miracles? You know, Jesus, that raising people from the dead thing is pretty cool. They don't do that. Jesus, the casting demons out, that's great. Freedom. Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And here's what we learn. Is that he tells his followers that we can learn how to pray. I think it's so important for us. Listen, they didn't ask to do the miracles. They didn't ask to be the great teacher. They asked to learn how to pray. And this is just kind of the first step for us. Some of us just need to say, God, and this is what it really means to be a Jesus follower, right? Jesus followers do what? They admit when they need to learn. And his followers come before him and just say, hey, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? We don't really know how. We see John's disciples praying. We see all these other people praying. Listen. Would you teach us? Because something about Jesus' life, they understood the power and the life that he was living was being driven from prayer and his time alone with God, doing the one thing we're gonna talk about today, talking with his heavenly father. Henry Nouwen, in the same book I just quoted from, he goes on and says this, that prayer, and this is gonna make some of us really uncomfortable, A prayer is being unbusy with God instead of being busy with other things. I don't know about you, but the worst thing that's ever happened to my quiet times or my still times or my devotional times is my phone and kids. Anyway, prayer is primarily to do nothing physically useful or productive in the presence of God. It is wasting time with God. I know people are going to want to message me and tell me, it's not wasting time when it's with God. I know. And he knows this too. But his point is that there is no such thing as wasting time with God. So when you are being unproductive in the world's eyes, being alone with your heavenly father, you are building relationship that's priceless. So let's be honest. Let's just start there. The prayer is just talking to God. Come on, I know this is basic and I know we're kind of walking through some of the basics and some of us think that we're way farther than these moments but we always have to come back to these moments because the disciples did. Don't forget, every single one of them write down the Lord's Prayer and their gospel because it was so powerful and it shaped something so, so, so important to them because Jesus is gonna give them a model of how to pray, not what to pray, So let's start there. Jesus teaches them a simple, simple task. Here's what he says in Luke chapter 11. He goes on and says this. This is Jesus when he says that he doesn't really reply. He just starts praying. And he tells the disciples, and he says a prayer out loud. And you may have heard this prayer before. You probably have. Father, may your name be kept holy. 
May your kingdom come soon. Would you give us each day the food we need and forgive those who sin against us? And don't let us yield to temptation. I might be a little bit different translation than you've heard. But there's something so important because Jesus is modeling something for them that is going to be an invitation, watch this, to supernatural adoption. In fact, he's going to point back to creation when he talks about this. Your heavenly father. This is, just, this is the building block to the whole thing. To the relationship with the heavenly father. Recognizing our responsibility as his kids. To come underneath him and let him be our father. So often we run right past these moments when Jesus has given an invitation for us to be children of the creator, God. He's just saying, hey, listen, you don't come and beg for a FaceTime. You come as kids who have a father that loves them. I'm gonna go on a branch here and just say this, that a lot of us, if you're like me, when you go pray, you think of all the things that you should have done right or you did wrong and all the things that you could do better before you ever think about the fact that Jesus wants more to do with you than to correct you. Listen, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't want to convict and heal and restore and breathe new life and make us holy, because he does. But he is far more concerned with being close to us than he is about what we have done. He wants to heal those things and bring us close, but don't, don't miss this. He is over and over and over again extending an invitation for us to see ourselves as his kids. We're going to close our time together in a few minutes with a passage that speaks directly to this. About how parents never chase their children away and never give evil gifts. But children, even the, or parents, even the worst ones, give good gifts to their kids. See, what Jesus was doing, he was teaching his followers that prayer is relational, not ritual. It is built on relationship, not repetition, not doing the same thing. You can do the same thing, but make sure that it doesn't become ritual. It has to have meaning. And it's not about duty. It's not about obligation, as I talked about at the beginning when I said, hey, listen, this is my struggle. But it's about privilege. That privilege comes from you being his kid. And prayer, it's not ceremony. And he's not teaching them to just kind of create some sort of kind of weird experience that people have to mimic over and over again. He's teaching them that it's conversation. Because ceremony, it's something that without a bunch of rules and restrictions and regulations govern. And Jesus is looking at them and saying, hey, by the way, this is about a conversation that is driven by relationship. Don't miss this. Because we read our father and some of us have grown up in churches where we read it so much, we can say it without any understanding of what is happening actually happening and there is something so profound that is taking place in this moment when the creator God sends his son and his son is giving us access to his father as his kids come on this should change the way that we see ourselves every single day that we were made in the image of the creator God whether we want to admit it or not and when we choose to step into our space as children of God 
It changes the dynamic of why we would ever want to stop and talk with him. Conversations mean this. They mean we also listen. I don't know about you, but I get in the habit often of talking to God. But far too often, I don't stop and create the space we talked about to let him talk back. Some of us, that's a terrifying ideal. We're okay if God talks to us through scripture. We're okay if God talks to us through a song or a preacher. But the idea that God would actually talk back to us, we don't feel worthy. It's scary. And we're just not sure that he does it. But what if, well, let me just ask this question. What kind of relationship would a real God want to have with people? Would he want one? that was conversational, that was actually relational, or would, you, would he want one that is one-sided? Because I don't think anybody like us gather in places like this or make the time to watch something like this that actually think that God wants a one-way relationship. Because here's what I think we all want. What we know to be true, but we're not certain because we have had a lot of lack of faith in this moment. And that's this, that... We think a lot of times it's more about being perfect or right and long verbose language when we pray, when we stop and we talk to God. But Jesus, don't forget this. If you ever go back and read the Gospels, you will find something very particular about Jesus, that he has a lot to say about the people that like to pray a lot out loud. In fact, he is more critical of the people that, that have demonstrative prayer language and faith than anybody because they were corrupting the very thing that they said that they were a proponent of. They were corrupting the intimacy with the Heavenly Father. So Jesus, for, pray, for Jesus, prayer was just simple. It was intentional, it was simple, it was humble, and it was real. Watch this. He never, ever, ever walks in and does this. He never complicates it. It's never a waste of time. I know I joked about being, prayer being a waste of time in that quote, but the truth of the matter is when you're never wasting time when you're with God. It is never accidental for Jesus' prayer. is always intentional. It has a purpose. It has a point. It is always about relationship and intimacy with his Father. It is simple. He doesn't overcomplicate it. This is good news for us. And it's humble. It's not proud. It's not pious. It's not religious. And it's real. It's about the real things that maybe nobody else wants to talk about. And Jesus is saying, hey, your heavenly father already knows these things. Why would you not want to talk about them with him? Jesus over in Matthew, and if you know who Matthew is, Matthew is a tax collector, becomes a follower of Jesus through some incredible set of circumstances. In fact, probably one of the most unlikely people to be invited into a rabbi's circle of disciples. Matthew records Jesus having a very similar conversation. In fact, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, if you want to flip over to it. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' introduction to a new ethic that is based on the kingdom of God, not on the rules and limitations of people, and not on an old group set of covenants, but in fact with a new covenant is what he's going to say happens. And I'm going to introduce a new ethic about the way that people who follow me and are connected to the Heavenly Father will live. And he goes on, if you read Matthew, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He goes on and explains all these contradictory terms that really speak against the nature of humanity and call us to lean into being a little bit different 
and life. In fact, in Matthew chapter six, he says this, and I'll ask you to read part of it with me in just a second. He says, when you pray, don't be like the, and this is what Jesus, this is where Jesus gets really drills in hard on the religious people. Don't be like the hypocrites, he's talking about the religious leaders, who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. He's not done. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. He's saying, hey, by the way, um, really what Jesus said is a backhanded way of saying, uh, God's just not that interested in what they're praying. That's heavy, isn't it? That's not because God didn't love them, but what they were doing was not praying, they were self-glorifying. Instead of creating intimacy between them and having their father, they were leveraging God to create fame and fortune and attention on themselves. Now, Jesus goes on. I want you to read this with me if you would. It's going to come up here. This is verse 6. He goes on and says this. If you can read this with me. Everybody good to do this? I know some of you might be driving right now or walking to the park and if you start reading scripture out loud. Actually, maybe you should do that. That would be great. That would be kind of interesting. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees you will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And lastly, Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask. Come on. A lot of us want this to be true, right? That our our Heavenly Father knows what we need before we ever ask. What Jesus has given an invitation to is something intentional, simple, humble, real. He's saying, hey, more isn't better. Longer isn't better. Intentional, simple, and humble is real, and it is best. Here's the thing she's really saying to us. Hey, by the way, you don't have to bend God's ear. You don't have to convince him, and you don't have to coerce him. He already knows what you need, and he just wants to be invited into the space. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. He says this, let us come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith. Let us come, and let's put it in Jesus' language, close to our heavenly Father with a sincere heart, not one that's just kind of trying to get something for themselves, somebody and something that is honest, transparent, that is simple, humble, real, and let it be of sure faith. Come that way. Because here's what we all know. We all know that sincerity means being honest about our depression and our joy, about our anger and our peace, about our discouragement and our hope, about our anxiety and our faith. Come on, if you you just want to stop here for a second, what the author of Hebrews and what Jesus are inviting us to do is this, be sincere, meaning bring the real stuff to the table, 
Not just when there's crisis, the everyday stuff, when you do deep looks in the mirror, when you dig deep in the heart and the things that you know are gnawing at you, the things that you want to be different. He's saying, be sincere. Bring those things. And then he's not quite done there because over and over and over again, we get told to ask. Ask for God to encounter us. Ask for God to show up in our circumstances over and over. In fact, 20 times in the New Testament, we're asked or commanded to ask. Ask why? (laughs) Well, let's talk about that for a second. Why? Why is he asking us to ask? Because this is the interesting thing. We see coming to the Father. We're all pretty good with that, right? We get to the point where like, I'm going to come to God and grovel a little bit because I'm not worthy. But then, wait, kids. Now, if you have kids, they ask for things, do they not? Some of you are like, yeah, they're running my credit card right now. I'm getting it on my phone. You're counting the minutes, how much it costs them to be in college by the minute, right? Come on. Listen, why do we ask? Here's why. Because asking opens us up to God's goodness. Because if your kids didn't ask, they would never probably get all the goodness that you had for them, right? Come on. How do you know, and your Heavenly Father is a little bit wiser and smarter than we are, but how would you know what your kids need or your kids want if they'd ever what? It's the key to the kingdom of God. Asking is always the key to the kingdom of God. And being a kid to the king. Come on. Some of us are too proud to ask. Because we think if we have to ask, we're a failure. If we have to ask God to make us a better husband or wife or a better parent or a better worker or a better boss or a better steward, that we've failed when he's begging us, saying, please ask. Please, would you invite me? Here's why. Because when we ask, we are inviting our Heavenly Father to enter into our circumstances and participate with us. He's always there. But we are giving him permission to get in the middle of it. Come on, some of us as parents, we're scared to ask God to help us be a better parent because we know this, that we've already made mistakes and we just don't think we're worthy of God showing up and fixing our circumstances. So we'll wait till it gets really bad and then all of a sudden we'll beg God to save our kid because we're too proud to stop and say, Heavenly Father, would you show up in my circumstances right now because I know I need to be simple, humble, and intentional with you. See, when we ask, he gets to respond and show us how gracious and how loving and how kind and how generous he is. That's what good parents do, isn't it? They display generosity and kindness and they're loving. And none of this happens, listen, none of this happens unless we pray. None of this happens unless we create intentional space and time for us to engage our Heavenly Father and be still alone with Him. Jeremiah 33.3 says this, called me, called me and I, this is a promise, will, somebody say this with me, answer you. So ask, and this is our responsibility, and trust that God's answer is good. And let's just be clear. We know, if we're using this parent-kid thing, come on. We all know that the good answer from the parent isn't always the answer that the kid likes, right? Right? Come on. 
Uh huh. When we say no, our kids usually say, why? When they get older, they get more sophisticated, right? <laughs> See, the answer isn't always yes. It's not always clear. And sometimes there isn't always an answer from God. But even when the answer is no or not yet, God is a good, good father. He's still present. Always, always, always. And here's what we know. While the answer may not be no or the, may, or the answer might be no or not now, listen, here, get this. Don't miss this for one second. He's still there. He promised that he would send part of himself in a supernatural form and dwell inside of us in the presence, through the presence of his Holy Spirit and said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Whether you hear me or not, I'm always with you. Now, there are four outcomes of asking, and then we'll wrap our time up together. Four outcomes. Ready for them? Yes. <laughs> this is really complicated. No. <laughs> our favorite one, not yet. And then every once in a while, sometimes we ask for things, and you got to wonder if God says, you've got to be kidding me. Right? This is just kind of... <laughs> We know this to be true. We're going to spend an entire, time, uh, entire message in this series on what to do when God says no. Because some of you are sitting there right now. You ask him, God, would you, would you rescue my kid right now? And he said, nope, I'm going to let your kid learn. God, would you rescue my circumstances, my financial circumstances? No, but I'm still with you. Because maybe I want to use somebody else to do that, and I'm not done doing what I want to do with you. What do we do when God says no? You see, some of us are sitting in places right now, some of you at home, some of you are watching us in a podcast months from now because you're too scared to come back to church or to re-engage with people because somewhere in the process you heard no and you thought it meant you weren't loved. And ultimately, no means I love you enough to not give you what you think you need or you think you want so I can give you what you actually need and save you from yourself. I want to read something to you as we finish today. This comes out of Matthew chapter 7. I want to read it to you because I think it's just that important. And we're not going to teach this point. It's just Jesus just does a masterful job and it's pretty self-explanatory. And he says, keep asking and you will receive what you ask for. This is just after the Sermon on Mount and chapter 7 of Matthew. Keep seeking and you will find. Keep knocking at the door and it will be open. Here, keep knocking. Don't quit. And it will be open to you. He goes on, for everyone who asks will receive, and everyone who seeks will find. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. I'll pause here for a second. He's just saying this, if you're persistent, God will respond. Not because he wants to see how persistent you'll be, because he's teaching us in a process of how to interact, how to grow, and how to mature. And here's what we know. And here's what we want to be true, but we're not sure if we, none of us want to be passionless followers of Jesus, do we? Come on, some of you are here, you're trying to figure out whether you want to follow Jesus altogether. But if you did, you don't want it to be passionless. You want it to be full of passion. And what we know is this, is that passion-driven Jesus followers always pray. They ask and they keep asking, they keep coming back because they know that their heavenly father wants to do something unique with them. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open. 
on and says this in verse nine. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Hey, mom, dad, can I have a sandwich? No, have a rock is what he's saying. Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Hey, I'm hungry for fish. And you give them something that will hurt them? No, of course you don't do that. He goes on in verse 10 and says this. So if you're a sinful people, know how to give good gifts to your children. Hey, you, by the way, who parents who aren't really great, all of us, right? Come on, all of us who are not great people, this doesn't have to be parents. You don't have to be a parent to understand this. You can be good at giving gifts. What his point is this, is if you're sinful and you still know how to do good things, how much more will your heavenly father have good gifts to those who ask him? And he finishes by saying this, do to others because Jesus is never about just us. He's always about us having, learning, growing, and giving away what he puts in us. Do to others whatever you would want them to do. <laughs> this is what we teach our kids, right? To you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. Here's what Jesus is saying. Here's the entirety of the relationship that you will and want to and should have with the Heavenly Father. Chase him, ask, seek, knock, never relent. Oh, and by the way, second part of that intimate relationship, you should love your neighbor as yourself and be the best neighbor lover you can ever be. Because the only way your neighbor will ever know that the Heavenly Father loves him is by the way you love them. No pressure. <laughs> but listen, it's not about pressure, it's about opportunity. First John, John writes something to believers. This would be a great way for us to wrap up. He says this, I have written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, meaning those of you who are believers, he's writing to believers, so that you may know you have eternal life. He says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him finishes and since we know he hears us when we make our request we also know that he will give us what we ask for you say listen if you are really following Jesus what you're going to ask for is going to be in line with the father's heart because you're going to be close and he's going to respond and he's going to do what he wants and what he needs to do with you in you and through you God longs for relationship with us it starts in prayer listen God waits every day for us to come to him, to touch us, to give us new life, to bring compassion into us and give us compassion and care that we don't deserve, but we're desperate for. So that we can take that very thing he gives us and give it away to the people around us, the people that we lead at work, the people that we lead at home, come on, the people we work next to. If God didn't love us, would we be here? Or he wants to hear the good and the bad, the pain and the joy. All he's asking is, would you make time and make space for him? Wherever you're at right now, I just want to ask you if you bow your heads. I want to read something to you because I know for us as we talk about a heavenly father, we talk about being mature, passionate Christians that are marked out by a prayer life and a commitment to prayer. All those things sound really great. But the truth of the matter is, so often we don't even feel worthy of standing before God because we think that we have to have it perfect. A man a long time ago who gave up his life for the gospel wrote these words. 
He said, it is the grace of the gospel, which is so hard for the pious to understand, that it confronts us with the truth and says that you are a sinner, a great desperate sinner. Now, knowing that you're a sinner, come as the sinner that you are to a God that loves you. He wants you as you are. He doesn't want anything from you. He doesn't want to sacrifice. He doesn't want to work. He wants you and you alone. It's an invitation to be the kids that you and I were created to be, and it starts with us being willing to talk to him, to create space and allow him to rebuild us from the inside out so that he could use us to help others know that he loves them too. I hope that as we talk through this, as you get inspired to pray, you join us in the mornings to pray here, the East Avenue campus. That you commit to praying, that you make a covenant with God like we talked about last week. That you would create space for your heavenly Father and his Holy Spirit to engage you in ways that he never has been able to before because you felt ashamed and you were hiding and you didn't think you're worth it. He just wants to be part of our story. He wrote it, he wants to be part of it, and he's waiting for that invitation, and it starts in prayer. We want to be mature, we want to grow, and it always starts in prayer. Heavenly Father, we know this, that we are desperate sinners. But we also know this, that you love us immeasurably, and we don't even know what to do about that. But Father, the most simple thing we could do is just create space and give it to you. Time away from ourselves. Sacrificing time to you, just give it to you to let you do what you want to with that space that every single day we could be intimate with our creator God. God, we love you and we're so thankful for moments like this when we can stare at these things, learn from them, correct them, and then grow into the people that you created us to be. Would you carry us this week as we journal, as we reflect, as we watch devotionals and we read through journals? God, would you give us the chance to be just that, your kids? Jesus, in your matchless and precious name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Well, amen. What a powerful message from our very own Pastor Shane. I know for me, it's such a great challenge to say, hey, how can I come to Jesus as I am, humble to him, knowing that he receives us just as we are. And so as we finish our time together, we know that we don't want this to just be information, but transformation. So we have questions that we want you to respond and reflect to over the next week. And so we're going to throw up some questions for you guys to respond and reflect to over the week. If you want to screenshot those, if you want it to be available to you, we're going to put it on the screen right now for you to take. But other than that, we hope you have a great rest of your weekend. If you need prayer, we're going to have pastors online in the chat room. You can always send us a direct message. We would love to pray for you, or you can call us at our church offices at 909-463-0103. We love you guys. We hope you have a great rest of your week. Find us on our website at wolupdates.com, and we'll see you next time. God bless.